that's one of the biggest things that I have to try to instill in my young people that I work with, that work ethic. But then that mm. mindset, it comes from the mind. Like the mind is a powerful tool. But if you don't have that right mindset, that positive mindset that, you know what, I can accomplish this thing. You're just going to keep getting, you know, mediocre results. And I don't want that for my young people. I don't, want that, I don't want that for anybody. Welcome to the Mentally Shredded Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Whedon. Having lived through the lows of depression and anxiety myself, I reestablished my foundation by focusing on four pillars, mental, physical, spiritual, and financial well-being. And I'm here to help you do the same. My guests and I will share our journey with you, stories of triumph and personal development tools to empower you to live a life without limits. As ambitious people, we know what it's like to face challenges. We're not meant to do this life alone. I'm here to help you take your power back. What's up, guys? This is the Mentally Shredded Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Whedon. And today's special guest is David Spellman. David is a behavioral health specialist, educator, author, and speaker. I'm really excited for this episode. When we sat down last year, I believe, I was like, oh man, I'm definitely going to have David on the pod, dropping gems in that conversation. So I'm excited to share you with our audience today, man. How are you doing? Man, it's a beautiful day, man. I appreciate the the intro. I appreciate the invite to be on your wonderful platform. I had to big you up when I seen the shirt and I had a bunch of questions, man. So, I, of course, appreciate Miss Paula, the, the family over at Community Matters Cafe where we met. So I'm just mm-hmm. grateful to be here. Yeah, man, absolutely. Definitely shout out to Paula. She is she's a good connector and she just connecting like minded individuals wow. together. So that's a little innocent plug for Community Matters Cafe. <laughs> definitely. definitely. Yeah, man. So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So we have a lot to unpack in this in this episode, and I don't want to take too much of your time, but it's important that we ask the right questions. And so I want to start with where are you from? Because obviously people are going to see the flag in the background, me being a former footballer. That's what really, you know, sparked my interest when we met. And so, yeah, let's let's just talk about your upbringing and, and, and go from there. Let's be clear, the real football, even though I got a, a full ride scholarship to play American football, but the, the soil of which I'm from is where it originates from. So if you can see in the back, yes, that is the flag of England. I was actually born in London and I settled in Stratford, so East London to be exact. I'm supposed to be a West Ham supporter, but, you know, during my formative years, Manchester United had all the great players of the three Lions. So the real Ferdinands, the Wayne Rooney's, of course, Beckham, man, overlooked player, Michael Owen, Emil Hesky. Yeah. Like those were the stars dominating the Premier League at the time. And they all played for Man U. So I became a Man U supporter, still rock with Man U. But yeah, man, both my parents were in the military. I don't know how they met and got settled down in London, but that is the place me and my sister were both born. We moved around the world a lot. My brother was also born outside the continental U.S. 
he was born in Guam, which is a U.S. territory. So it's just a little fun fact about me and my siblings, all born outside the continental United States. Bro, I love that. I love that. And I know my friends that are Manchester United supporters, they are going to love that as well. And so they know I'm a Liverpool fan, but I can't deny that Manchester United was one of the only clubs we could watch here in America back in the day. And so I became a huge David Beckham fan. I had posters of him on my wall next to all of the U.S. soccer women's players. So it's it's just funny. It's funny to look back on that squad. You know, you mentioned Michael Owen, the Emil Heskies, right? Like players that definitely were underrated, but yeah. signed some pretty nice contracts as well. Right. And so, man, shout out to to England and any of my friends and family that are listening that are over there. Thank you all for tuning in. So Thank you for sharing that, man. Obviously, you being military brat, we connected, right? And me being military as well. And so it's fun having the conversations with people when you're being raised in a military family. It's it's a lot different than, you know, the traditional families, might I say, right? We're exposed to way more early on, whether it's yes. culturally diversity, language, all of that. Share a little bit about how that upbringing, the different cultures, being able to adapt to different languages, right? How has that led to the work that you do today and laid that foundation for you? I, I really believe it goes hand to hand. Like you said, man, you you have to move every so often. So it's not like, you know, oh, I had the same friends from kindergarten all the way to high school. There was a stretch of time. I don't think I spent more than two years in a place until we moved to Charlotte. Um, to, so to your question, when you have the opportunity to be enriched in somebody else's culture, man, you become very accepting. You know, when you've been in one place all your life and you see somebody or meet somebody that has something different from your norm, more than likely, you'll be more standoffish, not in a negative sense, but it's just like, man, this is unfamiliar to me. But when you grow up in a situation where you're constantly moving, you're constantly meeting people of different, you know, languages, different looks, different shapes, different forms, different creeds, man, you grow up in that. It's kind of like you grow up with a piece of that in you. And with the work that I'm doing, man, working with students, I always say it's much easier to find what connects us versus the obvious differences. Yes, I could be a African-American male and I could be interacting with a, a Caucasian student, but then I'm not just going to look at that surface level. Hey, what kind of music do you like? You know, where are you actually from? Like you may look white, you might be Spanish, you may mm -hmm. be from Europe. And if they're from Europe, oh yeah, my family's, you know, from Manchester. Oh, they're from this part of England. Guess what? I was born in England. So now we've connected and we have a foundation to build on. So I think that's one of the, the things that has served me well in working with children and just in life. I'm trying to go deeper than the surface to find out what's the foundation we can build upon, because down the line, there's something that we connect on. I haven't met too many people where we have nothing in common or we don't have a similar experience when it comes to some realm in this life. Absolutely. And, that, and that's the importance of as we navigate through life, the most important thing that you can learn to do is find connections, find those touch points to where you can say, okay, oh, you're from, you're from England. Well, 
for instance, our conversation, you're from England. Cool. Do you like soccer? Right. Do you, did you play? I played. I happened to live right across the pond. I was in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Loved it. It rained about 90% of the time <laughs> coming from West Texas. That's a culture shock, right? It was like, I didn't know that I needed an umbrella. I'm walking around. I'm getting soaked every day. I'm like, all right, I think it's time for an umbrella. But I, I love that you touched on that because it's so often, especially living in America, right? Like we live in a melting pot, mm-hmm. right? And so you have to, in order to climb the ranks, if you will, whether you're in corporate, whether you're building your own business, you have to learn how to have conversations with people that may not look like you, with people that may not come from where you come from, right? How you have those conversations is important as well. Are you open-minded when you go into those conversations? Mm -hmm. Are you closed off? People can feel that type of energy. And so I always promote getting to know others, going in with an open mind. And if you look at your, your circle and everyone looks like you, you need to step out and go meet people, right? I'm not yes. saying that you need to go be friends with every single person that doesn't look like you. What I'm saying is you need to start having more conversations with those people because what you're missing in life, whether that is a connection, whether that is partnership, whether that is whatever it is that you're doing, it might take that type of conversation to help you get to the next level. And if you're uncomfortable doing that, you might be in the same situation for a while, right? Yeah, no, nah, there's a great quote I've heard. I don't know who I can attribute it to, but it, I've heard it maybe for the past 10 years. Growth is on the other side of your comfort zone. So speaking to that, you need to interact with people that you really don't know or try things that, you know what, I've never done that. Well, maybe you should try that because you'll have a new experiences. And then just with the psychology thing, when you have new experiences, you create new brain synapses, growth mindset, but neuroplasticity. When you have new experiences, your brain is still growing and you can change that brain chemistry when you experience new things. And I know that may seem scary to a lot of people, but to that point, if you want to grow, you have to try things. Not saying you have to bungee jump or anything, but something (laughs) more subtle. Go to, let's say, I know we have the Greek festival coming up. If you've never experienced that culture, maybe going there will create a new experience. If you've never been to, everybody knows Mexican food, but there's other forms of Latino cuisine. Go to a Cuban spot, go to a Dominican spot, go to a Peruvian spot. Like there's so many ways to have new experiences that will in turn help you grow. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's talk about how this helps you in, in education, right? I had the opportunity to read your book and thank you again for, for what you're doing in that space because you've become a voice for students who were probably misunderstood, right? And so let's, let's talk a little bit about what inspired you to write your book, what it's about, and how you're using that with the youth today. So I am a child of hip hop. I love all genres of music, but of course, hip hop is just, it's a special, special genre for me. And this is the thing, not just listening to the music, to the beats, like internalizing the lyrics. Of course, people will say, well, you're an educator. Hip hop has a lot of negative connotations. Let's be clear. There's a lot of misogyny. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of drug reference. 
as an educator, do you really think I'm promoting that to my students? No, but there are positive attributes in hip hop. If you have the trained ear, there's a lot of artists and I'll just, you know, shout out one of my favorite groups, a tribe called Quest. You can actually learn valuable information from listening to certain types of groups. And this is the the thing about hip hop. It's going to teach you one way or the other. It's going to teach you positive things or guess what? It's going to teach you negative things, but it's going to teach you nonetheless. So with the the vehicle being hip hop, what I do, I wrote a whole book and curriculum. So just like music, social and emotional learning inspired by hip hop. And with SEL, all that is is emotional intelligence. So I find lyrics that I can connect to one of those competencies, whether it's self-management, self-awareness, relationship skills, responsible decision-making, or social awareness. I find lyrics that connect to one of those competencies, and I make a whole chapter out of it. And then I add activities. So I, I, I typically always talk about the first chapter, which is Philadelphia. So I take Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mills. Every Most people know that song. If you Even Absolutely. if you don't know the name of the song, if you've heard that beat, you kind of start bobbing your head because you know what's about to happen. So I take the intro of that song, and I compare it to Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And then the, the activity being creating a vision board, working on goal setting. So people think Meek Mill, he's not talking about goal setting, but if you really fine tune and put your you know microscope to the, to the lyrics, he really is talking about goal setting, what he had to do when he was a no-name rapper to the status he's reached you know, in his current years, but there had to be some work being done. But if you don't look at the music critically, you just think, oh, he's talking about whatever. But no, he's really talking about, hey, I used to pray for times like this. That's having a vision. You know what? I want to be on the big stages, but how do you get there? Putting in that work. So my whole curriculum is about taking those hip hop lyrics where I can couple them with positive attributes and skills that not only young people, but adults can use as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking for a consulting firm that can help your organization achieve its full potential? Look no further than Deck Leadership. With over 25 years of experience in NASCAR, founders Mike Metcalf and Sean Pete know what it takes to lead high-performing teams. They can help you uncover opportunities for diversity, efficiency, culture, and kindness, all while inspiring human brilliance. And if they can lead pit crews that can change four tires and fill 18 gallons of gas in less than 12 seconds, just imagine what they can do for your organization. Visit www.deckleadership.com for more information. It's funny when I'm having conversations with family, some of the youth coming behind us, I'll listen to some music that they have going on and have playing. And I'm always quick to challenge them and what they're listening to, right? Because everyone that knows me knows I'm huge on personal development. I'm huge on protecting my ear gate. What I'm listening to becomes a part of me. And so I'm having these conversations with some of my my younger cousins and they're like, oh no, like it's, I, I like it because the beat or, you know, whatever, you know, you know, the excuses we used to make. And I'm like, have you read the lyrics? Mm. And most of the time they're like, well, no. And I'm like, okay, well, I want you to read the lyrics and then tell me how you feel after. And majority of the time, it's a song that is not talking about anything that's going to build you up. I can tell you that. And then they're like, oh man, I don't feel real good after that. I was like, exactly. So I'm not telling you not to listen to hip hop. 
I'm, I love hip hop. What I'm telling you to do though, is be mindful of which songs or which artists sometimes that you're listening to. There's some artists that can drop songs about exactly what you were talking about. Dreams and nightmares where you can literally listen to that. You can get hype. You can think about your own life and like, okay, like Meek started at that point. Maybe I'm there now. How do I get to the next level? But if you're unable to decipher, okay, well, this artist is just talking about gang banging and women and whatever. And then this artist over here, this is why like, even for me, when I listen to Nipsey Hussle or I listen to Big mm-hmm. Sean, I'm very strategic in the artists I listen to because I want to know that they're on the same wavelength. I'm an entrepreneur. So are they going to say something that might spark something in my brain to say, cool, got it. I can use this as fuel or is what I'm listening to going to deter me from becoming who I need to be? to accomplish my goal, right? And so I'm very mindful in having those conversations with anybody, right? How do you have those conversations with the with the youth? Because a lot of the music today might not be the best thing to have on repeat, right? So how do you get them to, to look at music differently and decipher whether something is cool or helpful? No, that's that's a great point. So I'll say this. Nipsey Hustles, Hustle and Motivate is part of my theme music. When I walk into a building, that song needs to be playing more times than not. But you bring up a good point. And this is something that I had to learn with working with youth. As I get older, of course, my students get younger. It's a new generation of hip hop. And what I learned is I cannot just blindly dismiss their artists because I'm not going to say these kids are sensitive, but I don't want to turn them off because I do want to see them prosper. I do want them to change the trajectory. But for them, you know, like we were when we were when we were younger, those athletes, those rappers, those entertainers who we held in high regard, they held a lot of weight in our lives and, you know, they influenced us. So if I just dismiss their favorite rapper, now they're looking at me as adversarial, which I don't want to do. But the way that I get to them, I frame it as your your diet. You know, if you only eat fast food, that is going to be detrimental to your health. But let's look at your musical diet. Like, okay, if you want to listen to NBA Youngboy, if you want to listen to some of these new artists that ain't really talking about too much, because I'm sure there are some songs where they are speaking something of substance. But if you're only listening to the songs that are just going to drain you or that's that equivalent of fast food, that's not going to serve you. So I tell them, hey. You know, NBA Youngboy, do your thing. But hey, why don't you mix in some Kendrick Lamar? Why don't you mix in some other artists? And it doesn't have to be solely rap. Like, I grew up on Motown classics. That was the first music that touched my ears as a youth. I can remember listening to Stevie Wonder. And I believe that is why he's my favorite artist today. Of course, Michael Jackson, people say he's the greatest. But from my perspective, I'm just one person. Stevie Wonder is the best artist of all time. So I tell them, you know, mix in some other genres of music. And then that that goes into a bigger issue. It's like, well, you know, I'm a young black boy. I got to listen to hip hop. Nothing wrong with listening to no R&B. Like you like the girls, right? <laughs> Guess what they're listening to? R&B. Some of them have grown up in the church. Nothing wrong with listening to some gospel. Like you have to balance it out just like a diet. And I always reference what is your musical diet? 
If it's only trash, trust me, that infiltrates your being, that infiltrates your consciousness. And you're going to make some bad decisions based on the music that you're feeding yourself. So it's nothing wrong with mixing up your musical diet. Absolutely. I'm very fortunate that my granddad on all those soccer trips throughout the years, we were driving up and down the road, different tournaments and matches, and he'd always play oldies, right? Specifically, we either listen to Delilah on the radio. And if people I'm aging myself, if people even know what that is or who (laughs) that is, and then or he'd play a CD. And so I grew up listening to Supremes, Temptations, Al Green, Mm. you know, these are just a few of the artists. And he would always challenge me, hey, what artist is this? What year is this? You know, and I'd be like, ah, ah." but I knew all the words. And so because I had him saying, Chris, this is the music I grew up on. You listen to today's music, right? But it's important that you become well-versed in the music that you listen to. Don't just listen to one genre. So if you're going to listen to hip hop, make sure you mix in some rock and roll or some country or some, or some R and B, right? Pop, whatever it is. I grew up singing in church. So for me, boy bands and, and bands in general were the thing at the time you had boys to men, you had NSYNC, you know what I mean? Like these are artists that I listened to that I grew up on. And so I just took in what he said and started listening to everything. And so I could have been jamming out like blasting Blink-182 and then right after be listening to Snoop Dogg, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, I, And coming from Texas... Yes, I had Mike Jones bumping in the in the car as well. So for me, it was very important to my growth and to my education that my 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 granddad encouraged that. And I know that not every parent does that. Talk a little bit about to the parents real quick, like why it's so important to allow your kids that diverse range of of music and, and influence. And you, you bring up a very good point because one of the, I'm not going to say an issue, but I guess a barrier to helping a young person reach that new level is, you know, we can have them be in the school or a nonprofit or whatever kind of organization for their betterment. But if they go back into an environment that doesn't further keep that message, it just really tears down everything that we've built. And I, I've had conversations with parents because kids, will, once they build a relationship with you and they trust you, they're going to be very honest. And if things are not shaking out, you know, 100%, they'll let it be known. And I've had many a tough conversation with a parent or a guardian because sometimes it's foster parents that, you know, are not meeting the mark. And it's like, hey, this is how your actions are affecting this young person. It's always difficult having a conversation with an adult versus a student. Like now in my role in the school system, I work primarily more so with teachers and coaching. And I'm like, man, I would rather just work with students <laughs> because it's, you know, adults, man, when they get set in their ways. And I, I just have this, this, this saying that I say to my colleagues, I'm like, adults are nothing but big kids. Once you really get to know somebody, you'd be like, man, I see that, that you've, that teenager that you were, you may have, you know, you got a little bit older, you got more responsibility, but your essence is that, that young person that you were. And for some, for some of the adults in the educational system, man, ego runs rampant and 
you know, going back to the question, when I'm talking to a parent, you know, they have to do so much like the working and, you know, just the, the, the trials of life, the trials and tribulations of life on top of being responsible for another human being. So sometimes they're so stuck in their ways that they can't see, you know, the trees between the fours. It's like, man, I'm, I got to go pay these bills. I got to go to my job. I got to make sure I'm good. But what about this young person that you brought into the world? Like there, there needs to be a lot of time allocated for their growth and development. And, you know, that, that famous phrase, that famous phrase, when you have a child, there's no book on parenting. Like there are books, but it doesn't come with a manual. So everybody's really just flying the plane as we go or building the plane as we fly it. So a lot of parents really feel like they don't have the support. And that, that has been one of the things that I've heard from a lot of parents is like, man, I'm just trying to get by. Like I didn't have the the requisite skills to to help my child be great or to get them to that higher level. And it's like, what, that's why I rely so much on the school but it, it's really a collaborative effort. Like there has to be some stuff happening at home coupled with the efforts happening at the school. Like it's not one or the other, like the school really should be the beacon for the community. And in order for that to happen, we got to invite the parents. We got to have real conversations. Not like, Oh, they're the enemy. No, we need the community to, to be with the school so we can help the community. Like it, it goes hand in hand. Absolutely. Yeah. You make an interesting point. And this is exactly why we do this work. Why I love having conversations like this is because if you grew up in an environment where personal development wasn't a thing, right? Like I know I grew up in church. And so the personal development I was exposed to came from a Christian standpoint, came from my church. But not everybody has that. And so I was, a la- I was able to take that and the stress that my parents put on the importance of education, right? And leave home knowing, okay, cool. Education is important. Mm-hmm. And now I have my faith foundation. It was much easier for me to learn about personal development because it was kind of already ingrained in me, even though I didn't know that at the time, right? And so when you're not exposed to people reading books about bettering themselves, when you're not exposed to just overall wellness, I can see how that is detrimental, not only to your family, but to your community. And that's what my whole goal is, is to create healthier communities, to have these conversations, to hopefully just spark one person's like mine to say, you know what, you know, what can I take from this episode? What can I take from what these men are doing and apply to my life. When I go and and do speaking engagements and I talk a lot about my morning routine, right? And so for me, I know it's important for me to make sure that I am centered and I'm connected with my source as soon as I wake up. Because when I leave my home, I'm not in control of whatever (laughs) the world brings to me after that, right? I can set my intention, I can set my energy, but the world's going to do what it does. And so I'm very big on waking up and, and journaling and writing affirmations, writing what I'm grateful for that day, meditating. I added this year, I had a goal that I wanted to meditate a minimum of three times a week by the end of the year. Right. And that was a, a practice that I knew that I needed in order to, to be centered, right. Reading my Bible, right. As another practice. And then I go to the gym. And once I do all of that, 
now I can work. Now I can show up to the world. But all of the positives I just did that, like right when I woke up, that allowed me to approach the day saying, cool, I'm going to win today. I'm going to win in my conversations. I'm going to win in every aspect of life, regardless of what happens. And so my hope is by having these conversations, we can continue to encourage um, not only the youth, but parents. We can continue to encourage future parents to say, hey, your kids will be watching you one day. If you're not a parent, your kids are watching you today. Every little thing that you are doing, are you helping to build them up or are you causing more pain that they will have to experience later because now they have to grow and learn through something that you could have shown them? Nah, you you hit it right on the head. Like for me, working with the, the kids that I do, it really starts with that mindset. Like regardless, of course, the environment plays a big factor, but a lot of the youth that I come in contact with, they don't have that belief in themselves, like self-efficacy, the belief that I can be successful at a given task. And I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's coming from the home. Maybe that kindergarten teacher said they wasn't going to be anything, but it's, it's coming from somewhere. And I just really try to undo. I don't even want to go as deep as calling it trauma, but I want to undo that that energy that, you know what, you're not going to amount to anything like why would you believe somebody else? Like, what do you have to say about yourself? Like, why don't you believe that you can accomplish whatever goal you set forth? So I just try to be that catalyst to show them, hey, you have greatness inside of you. But guess what? If you just go through the motions, you'll never manifest it. Like, you you have to do something different to get something different. Like, if especially my high school kids, man, I never studied a day in my life. I'm like, what are your grades typically? Eh, you know, DCs. I mean, are you okay with that? I mean, it's, it's whatever that mindset already. Guess what? Put some time studying and the kids that I've actually did study sessions with. They get B's, they get A's like when they've never received it ever in their their school career. And they're looking at me like, man, you helped me get this. I said, I didn't do anything. You just put your time and effort into your schoolwork. And that's true for anything that you want to accomplish. You want to make a football team. You want to make an athletic team. You want to make a debate club. You have to put the work in. And I think with these young people, it's it's such a instant gratification society these days. They are, they perceive it to be, oh, I get on Instagram, I see this person overnight have all this success, but you don't see behind the curtain. You don't see the work that they had to put in the 10 years prior to them being quote unquote popping. So these kids just have that um, funhouse mirror kind of view of what it takes to be successful in this world. And it's like, no, it's the natural process. You want to reap what you sow. I promise you, if you put that work in, Sooner or later, you will reap that that harvest. But for a lot of kids, it's like, well, I don't want to wait three years. I don't want to wait five years. For some, I don't want to wait a couple months. I want it now. And it's like, well, that's not the way things work sometimes. Like, yeah, you might get lucky and it, it manifests for you. But typically, you got to put that work in. Like, nothing venture, nothing gain. So that's one of the biggest things that I have to try to instill in my young people that I work with, that work ethic. But then that mm. mindset, it comes from the mind. Like the mind is a powerful tool. But if you don't have that right mindset, that positive mindset that, you know what, I can accomplish this thing. You're just going to keep getting, you know, mediocre results. And I don't want that for my young people. I don't, want that, I don't want that for anybody. But Right, right. Yeah, man. You mentioned 
we, we sow what we reap, right? So every single day we are sowing seeds. Yes. Now, whether we sow those seeds, you know, what type of soil we sow those seeds in will depend on the fruit that we receive, right? Like, so if you're constantly sowing in areas that you know are detrimental to you and into your life and you continue to sow in that, you should not be surprised when you don't end up with a positive result, with positive fruit, right? And so I really encourage if somebody's listening to this episode, reach out to David, reach out to myself, because if you have, not if you have, we all have as human beings, negative self-talk. Matter of fact, we are programmed automatically to have negative self-talk. So how do you combat that? You combat that with pouring in things that are positive, pouring in things that speak life into you. And mm-hmm. so it is a practice. It is something you have to work on every single day. I'm not Absolutely. perfect at it and I work on it every single day, right? And so, but I'm much further ahead. And my, my hope is that we begin to create a community, again, a, a healthier community that recognizes where they are, identifies where they want to be, and we can help bridge that gap. Maybe it's just adding one tool a mm. month. Maybe it's adding one tool a year. Heck, even if you do that, guess what? You're still further ahead than you would have been. And so my encouragement to anybody, to myself, I'm speaking to myself as well, is trust the process. You're not going to see it change overnight. You're not going to see what you're pouring in and what you're doing in the community and all these things overnight, right? David, you've been doing this work for some time. It didn't happen overnight, right? And so, but now look at, look at the influence and the impact you've been able to make, man. So thank you for all that you do in this community. Thank you for all you're doing in this world because you travel and speak about this Right. And so it's not just here in Charlotte. Like you are now on a stage where people are recognizing, hey, we need to hear from David. We know he's going to add value. So let's go ahead and book him. I truly appreciate that because that was the goal. Like I I wanted to impact youth all over the world, not just Charlotte, Mecklenburg, not just North Carolina, not just the United States. Like one of the the biggest goals that I have is being able to connect with an organization back in the UK. You know, we have a lot of gun violence here. They got a lot of stabbings there. You know, they have stricter gun laws, but kids are getting knifed up left and right. You know, so the same ills that we have here in America, other places outside of our country are, are experiencing them as well. And I feel like the value I can bring to young people in terms of conflict resolution, goal setting, like believing in yourself. Like there's so much that can be done. And it's just that exposure thing. Like, hey, once I expose you to this content, that light bulb goes off in your head. Now you have changed your life. And if you change your life, you change your family's life. You've changed your community's life. You've changed your future generation's life. And that really is the hope with the work that I'm sure we're both doing. We just want to make people better that's around us. And it's one thing that I I talk about with the students, it's legacy. Like I I always ask them, if you die today, what will people say at your funeral? How will you be remembered? And I'm I'm saying this jokingly. I said this with, these are high school students, but I, I feel like I have to share this funny story. I told this group of young people, I said, 
when you die, if the only thing people remembered about you is you were the best blunt roller, you did not live a good life. And they started dying. They was like, oh, I'm like, but I know some of y'all might be that in your in your friend group. They call you to do whatever you do. But it's like, is that positive or negative? They're like, that's not positive. I'm like, is that what you want your family to remember about you? Like, you want people saying that about you at your funeral? They're like, hell no. I'm like, so, but you, every day you get the opportunity to change that narrative. Like every day is a renaissance. It's a rebirth. So what energy are you going to put into that day, that, that 24 hours? Like there's, there's one thing I'm going to do too. I'm going to get a tattoo one, six, eight. That is the hours in a week. You have 168 hours in a week. What are you doing with your 168? That's, that's a challenge to everybody listening. I'm about to get that tattoo soon. They're like, what is 168? Man, the hours in a week, what are you doing with your 168? Because that's going to yeah. determine your success or lack of success, I promise. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, I think that's that's the mic drop right there. That's the mic drop. <laughs> How can we support you, David? Where can we follow you on social media? And is there a link to purchase the book as well? Absolutely. So, of course, Amazon.com, you can find it. Just like music, social emotional learning inspired by hip-hop. My website, PositiveArcherSolutions.com. You can reach out there. Of course, the socials. LinkedIn is the government name, David Spellman. On IG, Instagram, for those who do not know, it is Mr. Happy. So it's spelled funny. It's spelled with a Spanish J. So it's M-R-J-A-P-P-I. So they're like, I don't understand it. If you see the, the name Jose spelled out, you don't say Jose. You say Jose. So my name is Mr. Happy. It's just J-A-P-P-I on Instagram. I love it. I love it. Thank you again, man, for all that you do in the community. Thank you for just being inspiration, you know, a beacon of hope. I want to make sure I give you your flowers. And so uh, thank you again. For all of you that are still with us, thank you for tuning in. We want to thank our sponsors for making this possible. You all know that we end every episode with an affirmation. And so it's that time. David, I'm going to say I am. You're going to complete that affirmation for yourself, and then it'll be a wrap. All right. You ready? I'm ready. All right. I am. Greatness. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There you have it, everybody. I am greatness. This is the Mentally Shredded Podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of this journey with us. And until next time, we love y'all. Peace. Thanks so much for tuning in. I want to give another huge thank you to our sponsor, Deck Leadership, for making this episode possible. If you thought of someone while you were listening, send this to them. We want as many people as possible to hear this message, improve their mental health, and know that they are not alone. Please leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening. And don't forget to tag us on Instagram at Mentally Shredded Podcast with your biggest takeaway so we can thank you for being part of this movement. Remember, together we can change the stigma. It takes all of us. <laughs>